You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killian. My name is Zach. I'm a pastor here at New Hope. And uh, just right off the bat, I want to ask you a quick show of hands. Who is familiar with the movie The Princess Diaries? It's a classic. It's wonderful. Um, I want to show you a picture of my friend Mia Thermopolis. She is an awkward San Francisco teenager. She's not good at public speaking. She doesn't fit in so well. She's kind of nerdy, kind of goofy. And all of a sudden, she finds out that she's actually the princess of a country called Genovia. Her dad is the prince, but he has just recently passed away. And her grandma is the queen. And so her grandmother comes after her. She wants to get her to accept this role as princess because one day grandma's going to want to step down or she may pass away and she's going to need an heir to the throne. And so Mia has to learn how to dress like a princess. She has to learn to act like a princess, right? When we look at Mia, she doesn't exactly look like a princess. That's okay. We got a quick image. That's all right. But she has got this curly hair. She, she doesn't ever straighten it. She doesn't ever brush it. She doesn't ever do anything with it. She's often found wearing like pajama pants or like just baggy clothes. And she's got to learn to dress like it. She's got to learn to act like a princess. She's got to learn to wave like a princess. Everybody knows the Disney princess wave. She's got to do that. She's got to learn to talk to officials from other countries. She's got to learn proper dinner etiquette. And it's hard for her because Mia has lived most of her life not being a princess. Mia has lived most of her life not knowing that she was a princess or that she had royal blood or that she needed to ever learn any of this. So why would she, right? But a good group of people come around Mia and they help her, and she becomes a princess. Look at her. She's got it down. She's got it figured out. She becomes a princess and eventually a queen. It's the story of somebody learning who they truly are and then living into that role. And the thing is, it's not an uncommon story. We see it all the time. I was thinking, I just sat down, and I was like, man, I I know I can think of a few movies. And the first one that popped into my mind was Star Wars. Everybody knows Star Wars. Luke Skywalker, does anybody remember what Luke is doing when Obi-Wan first finds him? He's a moisture farmer. A moisture farmer. That can't be a fun job. He lives on the desert planet of Tatooine, and he farms moisture. That sounds terrible, okay? But he finds out, no, Luke, actually, you're not a moisture farmer from Tatooine. You are a Jedi. You are a magical warrior. You're a good guy. We need your help. And not only that, your dad is the greatest Jedi and Sith Lord, spoiler alert, that's ever lived. And you've got to save the world. You're the chosen one. What about Harry Potter? Regular human kid, muggle. He's a muggle, raised by muggles, right? But then he finds out, you're a wizard, Harry. Was that pretty good? Was that pretty good? I practiced. Um, And he finds out... He's a wizard, and not only that, he's got to save the world 
because an evil wizard has risen up and his name's Voldemort and he's going to kill all humankind, all wizard kind, everybody's in danger. So Ch Harry the Chosen One has to save the world and he le leans into that. What about Aragorn, Lord of the Rings? Aragorn is a human child. He's, his parents die when he's very young and so he's raised by uh, Elrond, the half-elf lord of Rivendell. I got that right this time. And uh, he finds out at 20 years old, no, you're not just some kid. You're not just some human. You are the rightful heir to the throne. You are the king of Gondor. And so when we take off in the Lord of the Rings movies, Aragorn has learned that. He's known that for some time, and he's making moves to take back his proper throne and help Frodo destroy the ring, right? That's where the movie goes. What about Jon Snow from, from Game of Thrones? Please don't watch that one. Don't do it. Don't do it. But, but, it, but it works. It fits, right? Jon Snow, he's a child born out of supposed wedlock between Eddard Stark, a noble lord of Winterfell, and a prostitute but he's not. See, that's the story. Everybody thinks John is this, this child born out of this like wedlock situation, but he's not. He's actually the son of the rightful king who has died, which makes John the rightful heir to the throne, but he's lived his whole life looking like he's like broken up this marriage and everybody's just kind of kicked him around his whole life. But then he finds out he's the true king. Or maybe the most on-the-nose reference I can make is uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. You've got Lucy, Peter, Edmund, and Susan. They're four average British kids growing up in a war-torn Britain who just so happen to crawl through the right closet, and they end up in a place called Narnia, where they find out that they're not just some kids. They're actually heirs, co-heirs, kings and queens, sons and daughters of the true king of Narnia, Aslan. And he is bringing them in to the fold because he wants them to rule with him. Um, these are all great stories. You shouldn't listen or read or watch all of them, I promise. But that's not why I'm talking about this. The reason I'm talking about this is everything I just named is like a bestseller Everything I named is like a Netflix top 20, a HBO top 20, a best-selling book. Why? All of them center around these characters that are nobodies that find out that they're not nobody, they're somebody. And they're not just somebody, they're kings, they're queens, they're Jedis, they're princesses. They're these big, important characters in the story, but they need to know who they are so they can be who they are, Right? And why, why are we so attracted to that story? Because it's our story. That's who we are. We aren't just nobody. We're somebody very in particular. And that's what we're talking about today. When we look at 1 John 3, 1 through 3, he says, See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we're God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is, and all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure. We are God's children. We are children of the Most High God. If you have made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, 
If you follow him, if you have made him the Lord of your life, he is the authority in your life. He's the one making the rules, not you. You are a child of God. We're given that hope. We are given that promise. That is your title. That's who you are. Now, the thing is, the world doesn't recognize it because the world doesn't know God. So probably don't run around telling people, I'm a child of God. I'm a king and queen here in the world. And they're going to be like, okay, don't do that. Or kind of do that. But be careful who you do that with. <laughs> be careful how you say that. We're not at our full potential. We know that one day we're going to be just like Jesus Christ when we see him, right? We're going to be exactly like he is, but we can't even comprehend what that looks like yet because there's nothing in our reality on this side of life. There's nothing that we can base what that looks like on. And so we've just got to be hopeful and wait. We've got to be ready for it. And we've got to keep ourselves pure and live as Christ and spread the gospel in the meantime. John goes on to say this. 1 John 3, 4 through 10 says... Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what's right, it shows that they're righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who's been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they're children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. That's right. We are back in 1 John, <laughs> and it's getting tough all over again. We did, we did part of 1 John some months ago, and it's really tricky because you can listen to this. You can read this and go, but I sin. I'm a sinner. I still sin. I believe in God, and I sin. But this is saying if I sin, then I'm not a child of God. And it's confusing, and that's okay. But when you read it all in context— Here's what I think it boils down to. There are two ways we can approach the glory of God. God's grace, God's mercy, what Christ did on the cross. When we find out that Christ died for our sins, that, that he came to take all our sin away and take it on himself and put it as far as the east is from the west when we go to him and we ask for forgiveness, that it's like it never happened. Some people can look at that and go, he died for me? I don't have to die. Cool. I mean, like, I guess all I have to do is like just kind of keep doing what I'm doing because I'm a pretty good person. Like, I think I'm a good person. By worldly standards, I'm, I'm a pretty solid person. Like, I'm nice to people, and I don't, like, get involved in anybody else's affairs. And, like, you know, if I want to get drunk, whatever, that's on me. That's no big deal. That's not hurting anybody else, so that's fine. And if I want to do some drugs, that's cool. That's on me. That's not hurting anybody else. That's fine. And my sexuality is my sexuality. God doesn't care about that because I'm not hurting other people. That's fine. The sex, I, the sex I have is consensual. That's fine. I don't have to change my pride. I, don't have to, I can be proud. I'm, I should be proud of myself. The world's always telling me how good I am. I should be really proud of the life I've made. 
And we just make it about me, 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 me. And we don't ever look to change anything. Now, there are people that are like that. And I understand I'm building a straw man here. I'm building a caricature of a person, right? It's not a real person, but there are lots of people in this world that think like that that think it's just fine. I'll just live how I want. And then one day, before I die, I'll ask for forgiveness, and all my sins go away, and I'm okay. And there are people who call themselves believers that believe that is what Christianity is. And I'm here to tell you, it's not. And if that is how you look at Christianity, and if that is what you think Jesus did for you, if you think Jesus died for you so you didn't have to change, you're wrong, and you're probably not a Christian. Good news, doesn't have to stay that way. We'll get there later, that's fine. But there are other people that look at the grace of God and say, he died for me? I'm a sinner, I'm a terrible human being. I I sin every day of my life. I keep sinning, I try not to sin, but I keep sinning, and he still loves me? And they look at that and they think, well, anyone that must love me like that, I'd do anything for that kind of love. I would do anything for that kind of forgiveness. I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to sin. I want to follow him. If he says he's the way to life, then I want to follow his way. I want to do things his way. And I'm sure I'll mess up. But when I do, I'm going to ask for forgiveness and I'm going to get it right. It's not this downward, 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 downward spiral with some good things splashed in there. It's not this flat line where I don't have to change anything. And, you know, I I sin a little and I'm not really, you know, getting rid of those sins. But I'm not really, like, doing anything terrible either. I'm not really adding anything bad. I'm just not really changing. It's not that. It's this up and up and up and some downs, a dip, and then but some up and up and maybe a down and down. Like, that we can look on the past year of our life, the past three years of our lives, the past 10 years of our lives, and go, you know, I'm not leaps and bounds better, but I am better than I was a year ago. I am better than I was three years ago. I am better than I was 10 years ago. And God willing, I will keep being better. I will keep being like Christ. That's what I'm committed to because Jesus loved me enough to die for me, and I love him enough to live for him. That's what I'm going to do. That is the other way of looking at it. And the thing is, everyone in this room probably doesn't fall neatly into one of those two categories, but those are the pulls, and you fall closer to one than the other. And you need to care about that, because your life depends on it. We all need to care about that. How do we act like that? Like, what, what do we do? Like, how do we be that? Let me ask you a question. All those movies I named earlier... How do they all end? Does Mia go, I'm a princess? You mean that I am, I am the rightful ruler of Genovia? Nah, thanks. I'm good. I'm good. I think I'm just going to keep being a social outcast in my hometown and keep being awkward and never develop as a person and never be better and never learn to speak publicly and never learn how to be cool with people that aren't like me. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. That's fine. No. Does Luke say, a Jedi? I have superpowers? I think I'm just going to keep moisture farming. No. Because that's insane. Because Luke has to save the world. And not only that, Luke goes and he trains hard. 
with a tiny little green person named Yoda. And he learns how to fight, and he learns how to use a lightsaber, and he gets his hand cut off, and he gets electrocuted, and he almost falls to his death like 14 times in three movies. And he saves the world because he endures into the heart of what he's called to do. Even though it's not easy, even though it's not comfortable, he goes and he does it. It's insane. What about, what about Harry? Harry doesn't stop studying. Harry doesn't stop training to kill Lord Voldemort. Jon Snow doesn't just stay at the, the wall at the north because that's what's comfortable and I really like wearing this feathery looking cloak. No, Aragorn doesn't get to the, to the gates where he has that final battle against millions of orcs and wraiths and the eye of Sauron himself and go, you know, I think I'm going to go back, you know, home because this kind of stinks. Like, no. They all endure, and we're drawn to that story because that's who we are at the heart of us. That's what we're called to be. None of those are perfect images of what we're called to be, but it's the idea. And even the atheists know that that's the way it should be. Even the non-believers know that that's the heroic route. You don't you don't have to look at the Bible to know that because we are image bearers of God to the point that even if we refuse to believe in God, we still know the truth of God. It's in us. We can't escape it. So how do we look like royal sons and daughters of God? That's who we are. That's what we're all about. We've, got, we've learned who we are now. How do I be that? Well, first, we got to believe it. You can say it, you can, you can confess it with your mouth, that's fine, but that doesn't do anything for you at the end of the day. Do you believe it? Do you believe that you're a son and a daughter of God, the almighty God that created heaven and earth? There's a quote at the end of the Chronicles of Narnia. Anybody seen the Chronicles of Narnia? Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is the one I'm talking about. Um, Aslan, Aslan, is he's basically inaugurating the four kids as the kings and queens over Narnia. These are just some British kids. They just popped through a closet. They're nobody. And he's making them the kings and queens because they stood up. They rose to the call because they found out who they were. And he says this. He says, to the glistening eastern sea, I give you Queen Lucy the Valiant. To the great western woods, King Edmund the Just. To the radiant southern sun, Queen Susan the gentle, and to the clear northern skies, I give you King Peter the magnificent. Once a king or queen of Narnia, always a king or queen of Narnia. May your wisdom grace us until the stars rain down from the heavens. Here's what you need to understand about who just said that. Who that quote's about. In the last movie in the Chronicles of Narnia series, they ask Aslan, the kids ask Aslan, Aslan's the lion in the middle. They say, will we ever see you again? And he says, not in this world. He says, you have to go back to your own worlds now. He says, that's where people need you. He says, but I go by many names in many worlds, and you have to learn my name in your world. The Aslan is Jesus Christ. That's who he is in the Chronicles of Narnia series. And when Aslan looks at these kids and says, you are a royal king. You are a royal queen. You are sons and daughters of Aslan. That's Jesus Christ looking at us. He's looking, he's saying, I give you Queen Lori. 
They give you King Michael. They give you King Sam. They give you Queen Chris. They give you King Brady. You are kings and queens in this world. That's who we are. Do you believe it? Because if you don't, you're never going to act like it. Jesus is telling us you are special. You are something more than you thought you were. You're bigger than this world, and I'm calling you to something greater. You're kings and you're queens and you're co-heirs with Christ. Now, are you going to act like it? That's what he's saying. And so what do we do? What does that look like? What's it mean to be a king or a queen? Well, we look at earthly kings and queens, and they're powerful. Many of them rule with iron fists, right? They get their way at the end of the day. It's about them looking good. It's about them being powerful, them holding on to their reign. But I'm asking you, what does the one true king look like? What does the one true God look like? When Jesus Christ stepped into this world, he was and is and always will be the one true king and God of all creation. And how did he live his life? As a servant. He washed the feet of his disciples. Look at his hand on his chest. I'm assuming this is Peter. Grabbing his heart because he can't comprehend the fact that God is washing my feet right now. I am a sinner. I am disgusting You can picture yourself sitting in that seat. Now would you feel if God was washing you clean right in front of you, all the grime, all the sin, all the nasty off of you, he's getting rid of that. He's making you different. Because he lowered himself. He didn't see his glory. He didn't see his godhood. He didn't see his kingship as something to be grasped. So he lowered himself to a servant, to the lowest of all. And he calls all of his disciples and he says, if you love me, then you will wash one another's feet and you'll become low like me. You will consider everyone more important than yourselves. You'll be humble. The things you do for you, don't do them for you. Do them for other people so you can be better for other people. You got to lose weight. Don't lose weight for you. Lose weight for other people so you can be around to bless them longer. You got to get your oil changed. Don't do it so your car is the coolest car around. Do it so you can give other people transportation when they need it. Take everything you think about and make it about you and make it about everyone else because that's what Jesus has done. That's what he's calling us to do. Everything was about everyone else. That's the heart of the king. That's the heart of God. And he's looking at us and he's saying, your kings, your queens, you're the most, you're, 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 you're sons and daughters of the most high like it. And that's, that's the big idea. We're God's children, so let's act like it. What does that look like? We have to find that in Jesus Christ. And the only way to know what Jesus wants for us is to read scripture, is to go to the word, is to pray, is to be disciples, to be students of Jesus Christ. You're a king, you're a queen, you're a child of God. Act like it. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.